I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're welcome. That was a very, you know what that was? That was a, this is a bonus podcast. That's right. Uh, it's like, this response. is just like, this is a little like, um, you've had your meal and you've had <laughs> dessert. And then the waiter says like, hey, we have a little something extra for you and brings over like a couple of chocolates or something. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Just on the way out, just get a couple little mints or chocolates or a something. A little mints, you know, a little, a little, uh, a little, you know what, like a little, like one of those little tiny cups of sorbet, just like yeah. a little, just a little, just, just we're cleansing the palate. Extra thing you didn't know you were going to get. My <laughs> wife, by the way, loves free stuff so much. And, and I don't mean free stuff, like free, like big things, like right. my, the, the, my wife's like the happiest she can ever be is if she goes into like a bakery or something and there's a little plate uh, that has like, hey, try take a piece of a cookie. We're selling this chocolate <laughs> cookie. Like, go ahead, take a piece. It's free. That is the, I'm not kidding. It's the happiest she can ever be in life is when she gets a free small piece of like a cookie. Like a, like a little, so is, is, is that the perfect exam? I mean, is she, yeah. is she like a free mint at the end of a meal person? Is she no, like the mint at the end of the meal is fine, but it's really like a, it's, it's, but you kind of expect to get a mint at the end of a meal. Maybe the, the key to my wife's version of this is that you didn't know you were going to get a little piece of a brownie or a piece <laughs> of a cookie. You just had, it came out of nowhere. It's what, like, what, what about walking through the mall? And then you get like that free, like, oh, I have a, a free thing from the from the cheap fast food Chinese place, like a little mm -hmm. sample. Yeah, but like to, for it to be, that's good. But like for it to be maximally exciting to her, it has to be a kind of like a little sweet treat, you know, like okay. a, little, a little piece of a chocolate brownie or a little piece of a cookie. A piece of a cookie is really the, the number one thing. A piece <laughs> of like a, a piece of a chocolate chip cookie that you didn't know you were going to get when you walked into the place where you walked into. I love that. I love yeah. that. It's, it really should be like the small things in life that should make us happy. Don't you it's think? One I mean of, it's one of the things that made me fall in love with her is that there's <laughs> no, like that, that, uh, that there, there's no kind of like enormous, like fly private jet to, to like <laughs> Europe or whatever. She doesn't know. That's, that doesn't interest her. What really interests her is a small piece of a chocolate chip cookie. Just a little piece of a cookie. Free, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Let's tell people what we're doing here. So, so we are doing this bonus podcast because uh, hopefully you're aware of this. We are doing a, a charity uh, where we are um, selling podcast t-shirts, but they're not, they're not podcast branded. They are uh, t-shirts uh, that represent our uh, deepest and most fervent opinion about the most important topic in the world, which is uh, pie and, and hot fruit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we are, we are selling these t-shirts for charity and uh, um, your, your charity is the international rescue committee, an excellent gigantic uh, uh, organization helps uh, refugees and people experiencing terrible famine and war torn misery all over the globe. It's, an, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I after, after you uh, chose them as your charity, uh, I went and looked looked them up uh, to to get a little more information, and uh, amazing, it's yes, amazing, it's amazing. There are people that are that are doing, you you know, it's it's one thing to do good. I mean, that's great. I think all of us want to do some good, but 
there's easier ways to do good and there are harder ways to do good. I mean, that's, yes, that is the hardest possible way. Hardest possible way. Support them. Very, very cool. And your t-shirt says hot fruit is disgusting. And my t-shirt has on it emblazoned on it a truth about the universe, (laughs) which is runs counter to what you've chosen to put on your t-shirt. Right. Which is, which is actual truth. Uh, So my t-shirt is, it says fruit pie is delicious, which of course is the, is, is correct and, and, uh, and obvious. Uh, And my charity is the uh, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Uh, Crohn's and colitis are both uh, very, very undiagnosed um, uh, illnesses, diseases. Uh, It is something that's personally touched our lives. My daughter has Crohn's. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's harsh, it's harsh and it's difficult. And it's, it's, uh, something that they have made extraordinary, uh, progress on, on both, uh, dealing with it and, uh, and coming close to a cure. And so we're very, very close. And, uh, so all of my, uh, all my money will go to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Uh, all of Mike's money will go to the International Rescue. And, uh, and we have a little wager on this as well. Uh, where the person who sells the fewest shirts will donate uh, to the to the other's uh, charity. That will be me, uh, by the way. I will win that bet. But I will also probably – no, I, I will. I'll donate uh, as well to Michael's charity. Um, but I won't donate as much because I will win this um, – and I am in the lead at the moment. Uh, I've I've got a I've got I think I think that FanGraphs gave me a ninety three percent win uh, percentage at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a few days left, and and it would not break my heart if if you came back and won because that would mean uh, more shirts were sold. So it would um, also mean that people didn't fall for the lie that you're selling, <laughs> that you're peddling with your shirt. I cannot believe this with with you and the pie. I mean, you're you're so normal in so many ways, and mm-hmm. and yet this this is just haunting. How look, how man? Wrong we've been through this before. I, you know, when Galileo <laughs> posited the heliocentric universe, the Pope sure. like sentenced him to death, basically, or right. to house arrest. And he said, nevertheless, it moves. And history has venerated him, and history has exonerated <laughs> him. And ultimately, guess what? The Catholic Church had to apologize. Now, granted, it was hundreds of years; it was several centuries too late, but. No one remembers the cool, um, um, amazing, awesome, totally everything is exactly the way we know everything about the universe, like Pope and bishops and cardinals who had the wrong attitude toward the galaxy <laughs> that, that and thought it was uh, Terra-centric. Everybody remembers the cool, awesome dude Galileo sure. who posited correctly using math and science and reason and logic, the heliocentric un- galaxy. So... That's that's just the deal, man. I look. I might lose this. I get it. I, I you know, there were many more uh, ignorant um, Catholic <laughs> bishops in Galileo's time than there were brilliant scientists. I get it. I I might not be understood in my time. I'm prepared right. to accept that, but it won't change the fact that I am right about this, and that people deep down, if they peer into their souls, if they really take a long, hard look in the mirror, and they really consider what I'm saying about the 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 fallacy of the d- oh, oh, delicious oh, hot fruit pie <laughs> they will realize that deep down there's somewhere inside you there's a little spidey sense that's tingling and you are shellac there's layers of shellac of social crud that has been like plastered onto all of you 
that is making you say, mm, apple pie, mm, blueberry <laughs> pie, it's because you, there's peer pressure and there's societal pressure. And, and you've been told, you've been instructed by ignoramuses from the moment that you were born. And they've all told you that yum, 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 fruit pie, fruit pie, fruit pie. And, but deep down, there's a little tingling sensation that when mm -hmm. I talk about how disgusting hot fruit is, that says <laughs> like, you know what, this dude is right. And someday, maybe not this century, maybe five centuries from now, the like space church, the official intergalactic space church that yeah. rules over all races and all galaxies and universes throughout uh, existence is going to issue a formal apology to me posthumously they're going to issue a formal apology to my brain that's in a jar that's hooked up to like a weird spider robot uh <laughs> because they're going to say this guy was right this guy was the first guy who had the guts and the intestinal fortitude and right. the and the long range thinking and the kind of global um sort of visualization and the wherewithal to say something that was plainly and obviously true which is there's never a need to heat up fruit and to eat fruit that is hot it is unnecessary it's disgusting and anybody who says that they like it or that they enjoy it is telling himself or herself a dirty dirty lie and so if you want to put that lie on a t-shirt and sell it to help crohn's disease that's fine that's a that's the only good thing that's ever come out of this this terrible situation where we as human beings for centuries have been heating up fruit unnecessarily and eating it and telling ourselves a dirty lie that it tastes good in in your in your insane scenario um are you neo are you like i mean are, do you see yeah, yourself as sort of the what i am ne i am well i'm morpheus really <laughs> that's what i was gonna say or yeah. are you morpheus yeah. i'm morpheus and i'm trying desperately <laughs> to get people to take the right pill and to come with me into the, the blinding light of truth and so far up there's a bunch of jerks who are all saying no thank yeah. you I'd rather be Joey Pantoliano. I'd rather stay eating this steak and telling myself it is delicious when I know it's not really a steak. That's exactly what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know what? I, I'm not going to even, I mean, my shirt says fruit pie is delicious. I, I'm just going to let that stand. Uh, let me give you the uh, addresses if you would like to, uh, to, to um, buy w one of these shirts. Probably the best place for you to go is, and I'm going to just read off the address. It's not that easy. It is CB, which stands for Cotton Bureau, uh, which is the name of the t-shirt company. CB.plus slash Great Debate is the name of the uh, the website where you can uh, get everything. You can get either one of the shirts. So CB.plus uh, slash forward slash Great Debate. I guess it's always forward slash, right? There's no backward yeah. slash on, on the internet. Is it plus P-L-U-S or is it a plus sign? It is plus uh, P-L-U-S. So it's CB.plus forward slash great debate. If you want to go directly to one of our uh, shirts and you don't even want to see the other shirt, which I can't blame you for that, uh, you would do the same thing, cb.plus with a slash. And then if you want to go to my shirt, it's fruit rules, one word. Uh, if you want to go to Mike's shirt, it is fruit blows, one word. So um, <laughs> <laughs> the people at Cotton Bureau have worked very hard to give us the exact right uh, addresses. So it is uh, cb.plus slash great debate. I'll probably say that before the podcast is over. Um, would love to have you come over because first of all, Mike's totally wrong, as you all know full well, uh, but it's it's for a good cause. It's It it's really is a great debate. It is. A, you know, it, it is you got to admit, debate. it's a great debate. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really is. All right. We're going to talk a little, uh, a little bit here, and then we're going to uh, answer a few questions 
but there are a couple of things we want to say. And, and the, the first thing I want to say is before we we're going to, we're going to talk a little uh, baseball and a little bit of football here, but there's a, a basketball thing I want to mention uh, to you because uh, I know you're aware of it. Did you see the letter that Steph Curry sent to that oh, little girl? It's the best. It is. I, I, I just tweeted out and, and uh, you know, if, if you, if you go on Twitter, you'll see it. I just tweeted out, you know, I hear sometimes people say they don't like Steph Curry. I hear that, which stuns me every time I hear it say it. And I, I just can't help but think, um, can't we just all agree to love Steph Curry? I mean, like, I, like Steph Curry rules. I don't understand rules. how anybody look, I get it. If you are a fan of say the Houston Rockets right. or the New Orleans Pelicans and, this, and he just say, right. And he just torments you fine, whatever the guy rules. Everything he does <laughs> is the best. He shoots. He's a, he's like a maniac on the court. He's the best shooter of all time. He's the best yeah. shooter who's ever played basketball ever. So right away, you've got to love him just for that. But then also his, he's, his attitudes about all things are so good and smart and he handles them so authentically and well, in, in case anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, a little girl, a nine-year-old girl named Riley, who is, has the same name as Steph's daughter, wrote him a letter and said, Hey, I love you. You're my favorite player. And uh, I want to buy, I want to buy a bunch of curry five. I wanted to buy curry fives and they only have boy sizes. And I think you should also have girl sizes. And the dude writes her back and is like, that's a great point. I just talked to my people at Under Armour. We're going to take <laughs> care of this. Like, stay tuned. Also, I'm sending you a pair of curry fives and you're going to be one of the first people <laughs> to receive the curry sixes when they come out. And also, like, I care a lot about like women's issues and equal rights and all this stuff. And then he says, also, we have a big plan for International Women's Day coming up, like make plans to be in Oakland on this day, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's just the best. It's like, there's no defensiveness. There's only like a kind of like, you're right. And we this is a problem and we're, we've corrected the problem and rock on. And like, the dude just rules, man. He's, He's the just greatest. the best. He's the greatest. You know, what's funny is like, when you read that note, I mean, look, people... There are a lot of ways you could have written that note, and it still would have been pretty cool. But right away, like the first sentence in the note is, I've spent like the last two days talking to people. Like yeah. immediately, like this is the most important thing in my life now that you have brought this to my attention. That's right. And yes. I don't – and it's like you can't fake that sort of caring. You just can't fake and, – and we know this because – Every day we see people try to fake. Try to fake it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and they yeah. can't do it. I just, oh my gosh, the guy is. Well, you know, we know what else rules about it, which is a subtle, a subtle thing, is she hand wrote her note, which is yes. adorable because yes. kids' handwriting is adorable. And he hand wrote his oh, back to her, which I know. it's just like, look, I, look, for all I know, he's got a fleet of PR people and handlers and whatever who are telling him exactly what to do. I don't think that's the I case. Don't think so I don't. Either. I just think he's a super cool dude who really cares about like women's rights. And I think that he married a cool lady who has a cool, like She's independent awesome. personality. And I think his daughters are going to be super cool when they grow up. And I think he's the kind of person who gets that letter and goes, Oh yeah, that's right. This is a problem. And he goes and he fixes it. And I never want to hear otherwise because, because <laughs> I, well, it's nice to believe that somebody who's as good at what he does as he is in a thing in a sport that is, you know, traditionally, I mean, I guess actually I would say basketball is probably a little more sort of woke in terms of its handling of equal yeah, rights. Sure. Like the WNBA exists and people do care and there are 
you know, that there are like, um, they're a little better probably than the average sports league. But even so, I just, it's so nice to be able to believe that there's someone at the pinnacle of his profession who could get that letter and react in that way. Well, and I, I mean, everything I know about him, I wrote a piece, of, I've written several pieces about him, but I wrote a piece about him probably, it's been five years now, where I went to, uh, this was before they, they had won anything. And, and when he was still, you know, he was still in that, you know, he was, he was really good and, and surprisingly good for some people, but he wasn't the superstar he'd become yet. And I w- wrote about him trying to adjust because he was such a, such a fun player in college and trim trying to adjust to the NBA and this, that, and the other. And, and I wrote this piece and I don't know, probably two or three weeks later, I hear not from him, but from uh, a writer saying, Hey man, just, so you know, I don't know if you'll hear from him, but um, Steph told me to call you. Uh, he said, if you're, if, if I happen to talk to you, I should say this. He loved that piece and he loved that you got this whole thing that he was going through with, you know, fun. And I just thought, God, could this guy be cooler? Could this guy just be, you don't hear that. Nobody does that. Nobody does that, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I just, I just couldn't love the guy anymore. All right. Um, are the Mets driving you insane right now? Are they just driving you absolutely insane? Okay. So it's just, this may come to nothing by the time this is posted, this might be super old news, but it doesn't matter. Cause I have to talk about it. Yes. It's 12 noon on Thursday. And there is a rumor flying around the internet right now that the Mets are considering trading two of their very top prospects, two first round picks in years past for Robbie Cano and Edwin Diaz. That's the, that's all we know that it, who knows what it would end up being. It might end up being a great deal for the Mets for all we know, whatever. Right. But the Mariners are, are like dismantling their team. They're tearing it all down, you know, As they uh, the Mets, but the, here, here, forget about the Mariners for a second. What are the Mets doing? <laughs> why, <laughs> why, why has this deal come anywhere close to fruition? Why is yes. it even a rumor? And yeah. again, caveat 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 we have no idea what's going on really this might turn out to be a smokescreen it might turn out to be they're getting seven of the mariners top prospects back in the deal because the mariners are trying to unload cano's contract but the point is the mets one of the worst run organizations in baseball for a very long time famously lost to money the will ponds lost on the money the birdie made off they've basically been i mean it's a sad state of affairs over there but uh robbie cano is 35 he turns 36 next year he, you know, he's still very good, but he yeah. is being paid $24 million, I think, every year until 2023. Right. <laughs> so, right. So, so that's insane. If you are the Mets, Robbie Cano is the literal exact opposite of the person you need on your team. The exact right. opposite. An aging superstar who is already arguably overpaid and will certainly be overpaid more and more every year that you have to pay him, which is five more years. It's $120 million until that dude is 40. And then Edwin Diaz is amazing, right? Edwin Diaz is lights out. He's uh, he's unhittable. But there are like 40 really good closers who are free agents right now. And right. if you really want a free, if you really want a good closer, there are many closes you can get for way less than you will have to pay Robbie Cano <laughs> in the next five years. Like, like Craig Kimbrell won't cost you $120 million. Oh no, like, of course not. Right. It's it, David Robertson is out there. Like there's all these guys who could, you could pick up as free agents without having to trade anything. And 
you then and then you also don't have to pay Robbie Cano. What are the Mets doing? Explain this to me. Well, look, I don't also at the exact same time, and it's actually the thing I thought you were going to talk about as well. The rumors are that they're trying to deal Syndergaard. Right, the rumor. Yes, is that that's, they're, the, they're, that's the other part of it, which like, is not part of that trade, but that's the no, other rumor. It's a separate deal. Yeah, the rumor like, is, is that Degrom is untouchable, but Cindergard might be on the move. So you're going to get rid of Cindergard and pick up Robbie Cano, <laughs> and by the way, no and then pick up a closer, and then pick up Edward Diaz. So it's like I guess you're what you're hoping is that you win one out of every five games, right? Because Degrom <laughs> pitches and and Diaz closes, and every other game you just get destroyed. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And Edwin Diaz to me, and you, you look, he was terrific last year. No question. Edwin Diaz to me is, and, and I think there's a guy like this every year, or a couple of guys like this every year. He is the trap. He's the trap because you're not, you're not trying to, you're not getting Edwin Diaz because you love, uh, his stuff and his future. You're getting Edwin Diaz because he came off of this amazing year as a reliever. And that was like, we learned that in Moneyball. Like that was like one of the big things in Moneyball was you develop a closer so you can trade him because closers uh, with the rarest of rare exceptions um, don't stay good. They just, they, they go up and down and up and down and, and, uh, and, you know, you, you think they're, oh, this guy's going to be unhittable forever. And then, and then like 12 minutes later, they're, they're very, very average. And, and I mean, you know, keep Edwin Diaz is young. And if you, if you can get him, it's fine, but I, you don't build a whole trade around him. And you certainly don't build a trade. You know, Robinson Cano is 35. He can't play second anymore, basically. I mean, I think everybody feels that way. So, and you, you if the Mets are trading for him, you can't DH him. So you, you got to put him at first or you, or you're going to just throw him out at second and just kind of hope for the best. I mean, that makes no sense at all. Plus, I mean, it's not kidding anybody. He also got suspended last year. I mean, there, there's there's nothing good about trying to get Robinson Cano right now. Nothing. I went back and looked at his stats to see at what stage of decline he was in. And I was like, oh, that like that's really bad. I forgot he only played 80 games last year because he was injured. And it's like, oh, no, he only played 80 <laughs> games last year for a way worse reason. Than he <laughs> I this If they do this trade, they deserve – I mean – they kind of deserve everything that happens to them anyway. But if they do this, if they trade two young prospects for Robbie Cano and Edwin Diaz, and then they unload Syndergaard, I mean, <laughs> I just, I don't know. What do you do if you're a Mets fan? I think you quit, you quit sports, right? You have to quit sports and walk away. Well, I mean, certainly Mets fans have had years uh, in the past where they could have done that. It's funny because the Mets did just hire uh, my friend Allard Baird to be director of scouting. And Allard is one of the best baseball guys I know. And of course, was with the Red Sox for all of their championships right. and, and uh, you know, fantastic. And I thought, well, this is this is good. They hired an interesting uh, GM and, and, and he brought in Allard, which I think is really smart on his part. And he can mix the scouting and the and the advanced uh, metrics and. And that might be a team to watch for. And then all of these rumors, and, and who knows? Maybe they're putting these rumors out to throw everybody off the set. I mean, right, I that's don't the thing. Know. All of this might be moot, but like the idea that you, if you're the Mets and you, you've been terrible, you're terrible. Their lineup is tr deeply terrible. Oh, it's terrible. It, it, but like $120 million for Robbie Cano is not the way to fix your lineup. If you're doing that, then you want to just pay, you want to just be going after Machado and Bryce Harper. Like 
you might as why not? They're at least they're they're at least they're not thirty five, right, right? Right. Bryce Harper's twenty six. If you're going to commit a hundred a hundred and twenty million dollars for for Robbie Cano is a way worse bet than three hundred and twenty million for Bryce Harper at this point. <laughs> like oh, it just that's right. You know? I mean, you're 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 half the way. You're half there. You're more than half the way there. Plus. It's not it's you know, at least for a little while, it's not going to be just wasted money. And and look, I don't we've talked about this. I if if it was me, I'm not giving Bryce Harper the money. I, I just it's too long of a deal. And there are too many question marks. Feel the same way about Machado. But if somebody said to me, all right, look, I'm thinking about getting uh, Robinson Cano. I'd be like, all right, let's go after Bryce Harper, right? I mean, just just, <laughs> right. just, try to, just yes. get him off the yeah, get him off those were your options. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's crazy. I guess the Mets are supposedly thinking about getting in on Bryce Harper. I don't see how that works, frankly. Um, where is Bryce Harper going to end up? Are we, are we going to take a stab at this? Where are we get? Sure. I mean, I, I I don't think he ends up with the Yankees for the simple reason that they already have they just they have a better them. right fielder who who is playing for the league minimum. I don't know how. Right. I don't know why you do that, right? Like. I know that Boris, like Boris's move is to like tell everyone that the Yankees are in. I just don't see how it makes sense. Like, I mean, his swing is great for that stadium, but they, but they're, they set a record, they set a home run record last year and they didn't win. Like that's not the guy they need. It makes so much more sense for them to go after guys like Paxton. And apparently they're in on Patrick Corbin. Like that's what makes sense for them. But Bryce Harper is like this weird they just want every star. I don't know. It doesn't make yeah, any sense. It's that's an old Steinbrenner type move. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, where you're just like, Hey, he's the biggest, he's the biggest name on the market. We're the Yankees. We should have the biggest name. He doesn't fit exactly what they need. And you know, I mean, the, I, as much as I hate to say it uh, with the Yankees, they've been really, really shrewd the last, you know, three or four years. Yeah. Um, they have they just specifically have, they not made dumb mistakes. No, like, like, no. like overpaying for Bryce Harper when they don't need him. Exactly. Exactly. So it would be a little bit out of character. I think the Phillies are going to, are, are going to throw the bank and, and, and I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Um, I don't know if that's where he wants to be, but, but I kind of understand why the Phillies would want to sort of, announce their presence, you know, with authority or whatever. Dodgers are going to get in on it. I think that's going to be interesting. I don't think the Cubs at the end of the day are going to be in there, but who knows? I mean, it's, it's, they're interesting. I kind of thought the Braves were going to be, make a big play, but, but they just, they just made that, you know, one year monster deal to Josh Donaldson. And I, I don't know if that's basically where their whole thing ends. I mean, that was kind of an interesting move for them. Uh, I think I if the Yankees are going after any bat, it makes more sense, frankly, for them to go after Machado for the simple reason that Andujar, who's a great hitter, is a miserably bad defensive third baseman. If they right. could convince Machado to, to go back to play third, then, I mean, maybe they say, hey, you can play short until Didi gets back or something. But that I don't think that works because Glaber Torres is a better shortstop than than Machado is probably oh, Didi, at this probably. point. Yeah, I mean, right. That, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. So if they could convince, I mean, and it, maybe it seems like a stretch because Machado has said he wants to play short or whatever, but also guess what? A-Rod wanted to play short and he moved <laughs> over to third to play for the Yankees. So I don't know. I feel like if they, he's the guy, if he hadn't also the fact that like Hank Steinbrenner was in the press saying, I've got to talk to him about that comment he made about, about not hustling. And then weirdly a couple, like a week later, 
um, Machado came out and sort of weirdly made it like a, oh, an apol- like a public apology yeah, kind of for saying that. Odd. That to me yeah. was like, yeah. okay, that's like the Steinbrenner say it publicly. It, then they quietly go to his agent and then they say like, he's got to answer for this. And he goes, the, the agent goes, no problem. We'll watch this. He'll make a statement. And then he makes a statement. <laughs> there's like, it's, it's, a, there's a lot of breadcrumbs to me that say like, he, if there's a bat, they're going after he's the guy. And then they could DH Andujar. And they could he he could spell Machado at third sometimes, and then they move Torres to short while Didi's out, and then when Didi comes back, Torres goes back to second. And you've got if you really think about what how good that lineup already was, and then you replace oh. you you put Machado in there. I mean, it's so much like Gary Sanchez is hitting ninth in that lineup. I think right. <laughs> it's I think Gary Sanchez who has like who had like 50 home runs in his first 162 games in the majors, I think is hitting ninth in their lineup if they get Machado. So I don't know. I, I, I don't Harper just doesn't make sense. They've got, I mean, the only way it makes sense is if they take Aaron Hicks and they package him with someone for in some could. trade or something, which they, they could, could you know, theoretically. But- and then you say, Hey, Bryce Harper, you're going to come play mostly center and then a little bit of left and we'll move Gardner to center or something. I'll tell you what, I don't want him in center. I just don't want him in center. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 in order for them to, to get Bryce Harper, they have to do a lot of things that they're not super comfortable doing. That's why I don't think it fits. But he is he's a huge star, and you know what? He goes to the Yankees, and, and he's like a potential 60-homer guy, right? Because of yeah. And so, so, I mean, there could be some pieces that fit there. Certainly the Yankees – uh, have the money and and having maybe they just below. DH him. Would they just DH? He wouldn't want to DH though, right? He wouldn't. He's, I don't. Not at twenty six. He's twenty six. Yeah. I mean, know, I, I don't know. Don't, maybe maybe they rotate in DHs. Maybe Andujar DHs. I don't but know. But that's kind of already what they've done with 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 Stanton. So I mean, it's yeah. like oh, you don't know, figure out a place to put him. I mean, there's they they already have Giancarlo Stanton. They already have Aaron Judge. <laughs> they don't need Bryce Harper. There's no need for Bryce Harper on that team. Well, you know what it is? It feels a little bit sometimes like when you with the the really top European football clubs, soccer clubs. Yeah. They they're they're always doing this. They're all like PSG um and and like, you know, Man U and Man City now like they they just go out or Barcelona, Real Madrid, they they already have all of the good players and then they look at they go to the World Cup every 4 years and they use the World Cup like it's a buffet. And they just go around and they go like, "Oh, that guy from Switzerland, he he was pretty good. How old is he? 21. All right, come here." And you over there like they just they go around and they just it's like a shopping spree, you know? It's and and there is something to be said for just when you have I mean the Yankees got under the luxury tax. There is no luxury tax for them. They have 100 great young players you know, there's, it, it's not insane to think that they would get Bryce Harper kind of just because they could, because oh, no, that's we right. have the money. Yeah. They, they definitely could. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel it's not like obvious, what they've been yeah. doing the last three or four years. But again, maybe what they've been doing the last three or four years was to set up for them to, to go over the top and get Bryce Harper. And the Randy ironic Machado. thing is the the funny thing is really is they're just, it's just bad luck that Aaron judge happens to play the same position. <laughs> you know, if Aaron judge were a left fielder, it would have been the biggest no-brainer in the world. Yeah, or Harper, right. for that matter, because they would have just let Gardner go in free agency right. or maybe signed him to be a fourth outfielder or whatever. Well, but what do you do with Stanton? So Stanton is just your automatic Stanton's your, your full-time DH because he's not a good fielder. So you've yeah. then you've if that were the case, if you could have Bryce Harper in left, Hicks in center, and Judge in right and Stanton DHing year-round, 
Oh I mean, God. that's insane. That's just ridiculous. That's a ridiculous situation. But and then Manny, and then Manny is uh, playing shortstop. So that's yeah, right. that's that's great. That's just <laughs> I'm so thoroughly depressed. All right. Before we go to the questions, I I do want to make this uh, do want to give a very very quick uh, Cleveland Browns update. Let's check in on the Cleveland Browns. How are they doing? This was something that you and I discussed over the weekend and I, and I just want to say it publicly. I've written a little bit about it over at the athletic. Uh, the Browns won again last week, won convincingly uh, pounded. In fact, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, were up 28, nothing at one point in that game. And then just kind of played out the string and, and, and won uh, convincingly. They are now four, six and one. And you sent me a text asking me the question, would the Cleveland Browns be a playoff contender if they had not brought Hugh Jackson back as the head coach, just that's a straight yes or no answer. Right. And the correct answer is I've thought about this a lot. And the correct answer is yes. The Cleveland Browns would be, I do believe leading the AFC North if they had not brought Hugh Jackson back. I think it's true. I think it's true. I mean, now you can fool yourself, but one, uh, you can't fool yourself about how good, uh, Baker Mayfield is at quarterback anymore, right? I mean, now it's to the point where even the doubters around the NFL are beginning to say, oh my God, this guy is incredible. He's, you know, he's the best young quarterback out there right now. A lot of the other younger, I mean, I mean, he's not the best. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the best and and there's still plenty of other good ones, but from the rookies and from those guys, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, they've got playmakers suddenly all over the field. Nick Chubb is like, fantastic at running back. They've got playmakers everywhere. Defense, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. They're really, really good. And, and it was, they, with Hugh Jackson as their head coach and, and uh, Hugh Jackson was on the Bengals sideline this week, uh, which I actually, there's a question to be asked about that. Um, But it was, it was funny because the Bengals were playing like the Browns, exactly the way the Browns play. They were doing stupid, stupid things all over the place. And I'm not, it's not his fault. He only just got there, but it was funny to see him on the sideline of the other team, watching them do stupid things rather than, than being on the Brown sideline and watching them do stupid things. Um, but the more I've looked at it, the more I thought about it, the more I look at this team's talent and the more I look, by the way, uh, and you made this point uh, the last time, I think we talked about this, that division, suddenly you look at the quarterbacks in that division and Roethlisberger's getting old. Uh, that Baltimore team's not very good. The Bengals are in, complete disarray this is not a very good division wow i mean i i i'd rather have the browns talent right now than any of the other three so when you start looking at it and how quickly people come you know and how quickly teams can get good in the nfl it's a it's an almost overnight turnaround i think without hugh jackson this team is winning the division what do you think well you know i i would love to it's nice to think that way yeah, and you might be right. It's impossible to know, obviously. Know. And and part of the way that Baker Mayfield developed might have been through watching uh, being on the bench for those first four games or whatever it was. Possible. You know, possible. it's possible. Like, who knows? But look, they had three three-point losses, right? They lost right. to the Raiders by three. They Crazy lost to the Rave. Uh, they lost to the Bucks by three. Right. Crazy um, and they lost. There was one other one. They lost to... Uh, I can't remember the saints. That's the saints by three. So they, do they, do they win any of those games? Uh, You know, if he not only is playing like the saints was game two, 
So he didn't play at all in that game. Maybe they maybe they score four more points in that game. I mean, they have they've had a lot of kicking problems too. Well, they, so who they, knows? They should have won that game. They should have won that. Uh, I mean, the Steelers game they should have lost right fifty times, but they also could have won it. They they missed a field goal to to win that game. Uh, clearly, I think if if uh, Baker Mayfield's playing that game, they certainly could have won it. Um, they they won the Raiders game. They got the Raiders game. Really was. I mean, I and I'm not one of these people that ever blames it on officiating. Um, but the Raiders game, the officials absolutely cost them that game. They by that ridiculous overturn of a of a first down at right. the end of the game. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. So they should have won. They should have won that game. The Bucks game. You know, maybe they win. Maybe they don't win. Uh, you know, the, the Bucks probably should have won that game in regulation. So I'm not saying they should have won it, but there are four games that they could have won and they lost them all. And I think with a different philosophy, and it's not just, it's not just Hugh Jackson. I think Todd Haley was a disaster as an offensive coordinator. So I think with a different philosophy, yeah, they could have won two or three of those games, and in two or three of those games, they have six or seven wins, and they're they're leading the division. So I think the thing it's it's the thing that you would definitely say though is going forward, you get the chance to choose any roster in the AFC North. I think you choose the Browns roster, don't I think you? That's right. If you're I if you're saying right. like we're looking at the next five years, uh, and we're going to try to maximize our win total. Whose roster do you take? I kind of think you take the Browns over the Steelers, if only because Baker Mayfield's 23 or whatever. Right. And right, Roethlisberger's right. third, 35 and 36 and has no mobility left and is, is you know, he threw for 500 yards the other day they and lost because he made a boneheaded decision, which he does sometimes. Uh, and, you know, I think that you would take the, the Browns skill guys aren't quite, there's no Antonio Brown there, no, but like, no, but, they're like they've got a rookie running back and a rookie quarterback who are both really good and their defense is really good and they've got a lot of young guys on their defense. I kind of think you take the Browns roster for if you're playing for five years starting now. I kind of think you take the Browns roster over the Steelers. I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, I just don't know how much longer uh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to play and how much longer he's going to be an effective quarterback and how long he's going to be a great quarterback. I mean, these are these are all pretty pretty difficult uh, questions to ask. So here's my question for you before we go on to, to our uh, listener questions. So some of the players on the Browns, uh, particularly Baker Mayfield, but there were a few others were sort of beefing at, uh, at uh, Hugh Jackson for uh, getting fired and jumping so quickly to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, where of course they, the Bengals being a division rival, they had to play the Browns two more times so there were there were some they they were not happy about this, and and there were uh, there was some blowback as well from people who were like, well, what do you want the guy to do? He just got fired. I mean, he he doesn't know anything of the Browns after he gets fired. Um, I have my own thought on this, but I'm curious, what is your take? Do you do you I thought it was insane? I, was, yeah. I mean, I, who knows? Look, who knows what went down in that locker room? Who knows how the players regard Hugh Jackson? Who knows what the hell is the deal there? But he didn't quit and then right. join an arrival like he didn't defect like it wasn't like in college where you know like you know coaches leave right before a bowl game and just go goodbye and they yep. <laughs> they're taken off and going somewhere else because they got more money like he was fired if right. you're fired what do you want the guy to do like you want him to just like curl up in a ball and he gets a job <laughs> offer from another team he's supposed to say no out of some sense of like honor and dignity and loyalty to the organization that just 
fired it. That's insane. Like I, 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 that I felt, I feel like, and I still feel like that whatever that was, was based on some very uh, different other set of stuff that had gone on that like, who knows what the actual dynamics were between and among him and the players. But I, I can't imagine being upset at a guy for just taking a job. Like he, he, what's he, I don't know. What's he supposed to do? Like, no, I can't join your organization as a coach. I can't keep my career alive in this moment of personal <laughs> darkness for me because that wouldn't be fair to the Brown. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's that's ridiculous. If that really is the reason that they were upset or was a reason they were upset, then they're being morons. Well, okay. I I, I agree with you mostly, but I, I'm not going to go all the way with it. Here's, Wait, are here's we about my... to have an actual, we always have faux arguments. Are we about we have to have an arguments. actual this, real disagreement? Probably, probably not because we're pretty close on this. <laughs> my My thought is that it's absurd. To, to blame the guy for taking the job. But, but I would add this point. The Browns stuck with Hugh Jackson for a very, very long time and much longer than any other team would have. Uh, they brought him back this year. Um, basically, it's insane. No, no other team would bring him back an 0-16 coach. It's never happened. It's never going to happen again. It's, it, this, is, this is a once-in-a-lifetime a thing. And I know that what Hugh Jackson said in that locker room all the time was, we're a family, we're a family, we're a family. He just said this over and over and over again and convinced these guys, which is what all coaches do. He wasn't doing anything different from other coaches. But he's, he's like, we're a family, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then the Browns do fire him, finally, after all this time. And he's there's no question that he doesn't owe anything to the Browns at that point, even though the Browns are still paying them, even though the Browns brought him back and, and tried to give him a chance and all those other things, he doesn't owe them anything. However, he immediately goes to the team that the Browns are about to play and that the Browns are going to play twice and they're in the same state. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done it, but I am saying yeah, why wouldn't you get ticked off about that? This guy's been telling you all along, hey, I'm your coach. Nothing mattered more to me than you guys. And then suddenly he's over there and they all believe he's giving away secrets. He's telling everything he knows about the Browns. He's, he's you know, he's that's why they hired him. I mean, they, they, he's preparing them for the Browns games and this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying that's right, but I am saying I can understand how players feel that way. So from that perspective, I can get how the players who probably already didn't like you, Jackson, uh, could say, oh, look at this guy. Look but at this guy. Just, First it's opportunity. A, it's a quirk of the schedule. If he had yeah, gotten, problem. would well, so would they have? Would they have been upset at him if he had been hired by the by the Jets and they? No, I think with... not. I think not. Now, then that's insane. Then that that's what I'm saying. Then that's crazy <laughs> because either you're upset at him for taking a job so quickly, or you're not. But you can't be upset at him for. T- it's not like he he. It's not like he had his choice of 31 teams and then went. Oh, well, I know what I'll do. I'll go to the team that's <laughs> playing the Browns this week to exact my unholy revenge on them. It just happened to be that situation. Like you can't get upset when it rains on your wedding day, really, because it's just what happened. It's just a you thing. You can totally that get upset when it rains on your wedding. But day, you can't. But no one's to blame. You no, can't blame someone. I didn't say anybody's to blame. You can't get upset at the local weatherman for announcing it's going <laughs> to rain on your wedding day. That's just the situation. Either if you're upset that your coach left you and took a job right away, fine. But you can't be more upset because he happened to get a job offer, probably from one team, which happened to be the team you were playing that week. That's like 
Oh, too bad. I mean, famously, when Belichick had his falling out with, I think it was, was it Eric Mangini? I can't remember. It was because Mangini had been offered. I think it was Mangini. Mangini had been offered the job to be the Jets coach. And and they lost this. I believe they lost the Super Bowl is the giant Super Bowl, right? Am I crazy? I think that's right. I think that's and right. then immediately on the plane, on the way back from the loss, Mangini started recruiting players who were free agents and saying, hey, I'm going to be coaching the Jets now. I want you to come in and, and let's chat. And Belichick, obviously, like, you're dead to me immediately. <laughs> like, there's no, way, there's no way you're going to survive that. But in that case, I'm like, all right, well, that's not cool. Like, you could you could have – those guys weren't going to sign with another team before the plane landed. He right. could have, out of propriety, waited until the next day at least and shared that final moment with the team and like a little team camaraderie. Like, he didn't ha- – that that's obnoxious. But but this is like he got, an, uh, he got a one job offer from the team they happen to be playing. You can't get upset at him for that. That's that's nuts. All right. Well, it, it might be nuts. Again, there probably is something deeper uh, involved here. I'm sure there's there were some very, very hard feelings toward him. And by the way, it was something you could see because, I, you know, even though I have said I think they would be better, uh, they would be in playoff contention if it had not been for Hugh Jackson. I will also say this. They started playing a lot harder after he left. And, and now maybe that's because they had – feelings about the guy or maybe it's because they realized with him gone oh my gosh this is for real I, we better pick it up or I don't know what was the motivating factor but clearly there was a divide there because Baker Mayfield among all of them uh he was really kind of getting into the dumps uh before before the firing and I don't know if it was Hugh Jackson if it was Todd Ailey but boy as soon as those guys left He's been he's been unreal. He's just been absolutely unreal. So, right. They should be thanking him. They should be thrilled. Well, at they the end should've... of the day, I think that's right. They I kind of were. They that guy picked off the pass and walked he over. He blew and a kiss. Gave... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's answer a few questions and then we'll uh, head out. Now, remember, we're doing this thing uh, for charity. It is the website is cb dot plus slash great debate. Uh, that's the, where you have the opportunity to buy the. Uh, hot uh the pie is a delicious fruit pie is delicious shirt which is mine the hot fruit is disgusting shirt which is mike's you can buy one of those shirts uh all proceeds are going to uh to one of two really really cool charities so i'd love to have you do that um all right let's answer just a few questions here bill wants to know when can someone and then he's putting in parentheses without morals so we have to consider somebody without morals here okay when can someone without morals abandon their team? So the question, I guess, being how bad does it have to get for it that you are you are fully allowed to leave your team behind? I mean, you can abandon your team whenever you want. There's no way. Right. <laughs> right. Well, of course you can. I mean, it, physically. I it's not a moral or ethical issue to me. It's like it's like a it's like a it's like a sort of I don't know what you'd call it. It's more like just a personal it's a it's a sense of honor or something more than it's ethics or morality, right? It's like, what do you owe? If you become a fan of a team, you sort of make a deal with that team that you will root them on when they're bad and you will root them on when they're good. And if you if you just are like ride or die with that team, then you're ride or die with that team. But you you can leave whenever you want. I personally don't think you should ever leave. You form a bond with a team early on. And I don't think you should ever abandon that team. Now that doesn't mean you can't also start rooting for other teams. If you became, if you were born in Detroit and you became a Lions 
fan or whatever, you should always root for the Lions, ideally. But if you then, if you, when you're seven, if you move to Pittsburgh and you grow up and like you and like you still are pulling for the Lions, you can also root for the Steelers. I think. Right. I don't right. think you should ever abandon the team that you grew up with, but I don't. I don't think it should preclude preclude you necessarily from also rooting for other teams. And there needs to be a hierarchy. The Lions need to always be your number one team, <laughs> right? Like it just that's just that's just sort of the way it is. Like well, if you. But- this is a, this is a situation where one is being truly sort of loyal and honorable, but so he's mo- saying so without you are saying it's about morals. Then. Well, you he, are well saying... he's saying he no, I'm loyal, not moral. Loyal, okay, or loyal. But he's okay. saying without morals. I mean, without morals, go nuts, man. I mean, abandon them the second they lose <laughs> their first game of the year. I don't care. Like, well, okay, but is there a point? Is there a point where your team can so betray you, and can it happen on the field or off the field? Where, like, like, okay. Just, I don't know, off the top of my head, it's just an example. If you are a Washington football fan uh, of that ridiculous uh, team and you see them go out there and, and like, they can't even wait for Reuben Foster to come off of on. on. <laughs> yeah, they really couldn't, they, could they? They just basically were like, is he available? Is he available? They're like calling, like, you know, they're like trying to be the ninth caller to the radio station. And they're the only ones that make a, make a bid on him because not not necessarily because just how bad a person Reuben Foster is, but because we don't even know anything yet. I mean, none of this is still like in in the middle of being investigated and all that sort of thing. Uh, they can't wait. Is that like if they do enough of those things, can you can you leave them even even though out of a loyalty thing? Can you feel like, hey, their loyalty it has been broken? I can. Oh, a hundred percent. I I think. I I guess what I'm saying is this. I don't think you should ever leave your team for on-field or on-court reasons. Right, I, right. I think that a true, deep, hardcore fan will still like root for the Clippers throughout the entire 40-year run of Clipper failure and misery. Like, right. It's just part of the deal with being a sports fan. You, you It's a little bit of a roll of the dice where you're born, where you grew up, where your parents are, whatever. And I kind of think you should always root for that team. Again, I am allowing you for the sake of human happiness and and like uh, just going about your day to add other teams that can hold your interest <laughs> that you can root for so that you don't have to only be a Clipper fan or whatever. Right. But off the field, off the court, oh, I think I think you should pay very close attention to the way teams behave. You should take everything with a grain of salt because I don't think we should be looking to sports franchises. Sports leagues are mafia families run by gangsters they're terrible people the people who own teams are not all of them but the great majority of them are deeply terrible people deeply awful flawed miserable people with long histories of of violence and racism and all sorts of things a lot of the players are deeply flawed people i don't think we should necessarily be looking to sports for moral instruction however if you are a fan of say the washington football team and it suddenly slowly occurs to you over, let's say, 30 years that the literally the name of the team that you were for is incredibly <laughs> racist and offensive. And then you watch as your moron owner over and over and over again, not only fails to even consider the fact that that might be true, but tries to tell you why it's not true. Right. Because right. it's like, no, wait, I met with one Native American guy named Steve <laughs> and he said everything's fine. So guess what? You're wrong. <laughs> Whatever. And by the way, that moron owner has also done 7,000 other things that are insane, including 
like trying to prosecute journalists who report on his moronic behavior. And then that moron owner (laughs) who's done all those things um, finds a guy who had three domestic violence charges filed against him in a single calendar year and went like, you know what? That's the guy we want on our team. When Alex Smith, his quarterback, broke his leg recently and is out for the year and the team isn't going anywhere anyway, (laughs) then I think it's more than fair that you say goodbye, I'm out. I think that's right. I think it, I think they can they can break that loyalty. They they can, and I think a hundred percent. And in fact, not only not only can they, I would argue that more sports fans should. I think that the part of the reason that these gangster mafiosa types are are continue to to hold power is because fans because fandom is so blinding, and that they know that they will make money. They'll make money on these teams no matter what. I mean, the Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for north of two billion dollars a couple years ago and if he sold it today he would turn a tidy profit like there's no these these are like the only it's the only sure thing in in the american economy it's a sports franchise so right the 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 more pressure and you're seeing it in in other versions of capitalism throughout the country right now like consumers are finally realizing that they have a tremendous amount of power and they put pressure on corporations who act in irresponsible ways and it works. And I feel like there should be way more of that in sports. I think that the owners should have to answer for their actions a lot more than they do. I I think this Ruben Foster thing is a particularly wonderful example because the one thing that everybody says, you know, one of, one of my best friends is a Bengals fan and every time the Bengals would sign some incredibly troubled person who had had all kinds of awful things, he'd always say, well, you know, look, the Bengals are the only thing about the Bengals is they're honest about it. They all want to do this. They're honest about it. They're the only ones that are like willing to actually just go out front and say it and blah, 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 which of course is not true. And he's totally a lunatic, but, but I, <laughs> I, I get the argument. But the but the but the Washington fans who tried to make that argument, it's like, well, look, any team would have done it. No one team did it. One in this league of like of like Game of Thrones, you know, dragons throughout throughout this league. All the other thirty one said, no, not for us, not for us. And one guy. So so it's like it's it's always you know the great question. One has to be the worst, and it's like. Washington owner just raised his hand and said, that's me. That's I, I, I gotcha. I, I've got, it. this is, this is, this is mine. I'm taking this. One yeah. Right it's here. like, it's like anytime there's the, some, some terrible decision could be made. Daniel Snyder just is somehow <laughs> magically at the front of the line going like no one else. Hey, no one else is allowed to make this terrible decision before I do. I, he gets, he gets dibs on every potential terrible decision. <laughs> All right. Mike wants to know which athlete do each of you clemenate the most? I, the clemenate is a, is a word I invented, uh, to mean, uh, to sort of fun, hate, uh, a sports person is, uh, is to clemenate that person. So you don't really hate them. You just hate them in the fun sports, uh, way. So, uh, I think I know the answer for you, but who is, the athlete that you clemenate the most. I'm going to have to think about it. Why don't you answer first, and then I'll, I'm going to mull this over because it's, okay. it's it's a tricky question. It is a tricky question, and and it's also I think it's I think the question is all time. I don't think the question is oh, specific really? to now. I think so because I mean now we're you know it's not we're we're not at the height of our sports fandom where we could uh, you know we could feel this. So at least for me, I'm going to go back in time a little bit. 
because there's no question. There, there are two guys. One I've mentioned actually on on the podcast earlier. Um, so uh, so I'm not going to bring him up. But the one, the player I clemented the most by far in my life is John Elway, and and this is this is very much because um, John Elway has broken my heart again and again and again and again. Um, repeatedly through the years. And, and, you know, this was as a Browns fan, of course, he's the one that led the drive. He was the one that was uh, on the winning side of the fumble. He's the one that went to all those Super Bowls. And I don't care that he lost them because they were Super Bowls that the Browns uh, did not get to. And then I moved to Kansas city where I was the columnist there. And then John Elway shoved it down uh, Kansas city's throat as well, preventing uh, those chiefs teams from going to the Super Bowl and, and uh, which would have been a lot of fun to write about. So without question, the guy who I culminate the most is John Elway, but I would say the person who, who I feel it most strongly because I was much younger when it happened was Terry Bradshaw. And, and there was a moment when I was a kid where um, the, the Browns were playing the, the Steelers. And of course the Browns always lost and the Steelers were, you know, they won four Super Bowls. They were obviously very, very good. And, but there was a, it was a terribly nasty rivalry and Turkey Joe Jones was the defensive lineman for, for, for Cleveland. And he came in and you can still see this on, on NFL films. He sacks him, he picks him up and pile drives him, like literally picks him up and throws him down on his head. You probably have seen the sack and his head like bounces off the turf. I mean, it's looking back on it. It's really frightening. Um, and then I believe it was in Cleveland and I believe that people were throwing snowballs at Terry Bradshaw while they were like taking him off the, the, the field in, in a stretcher. And, um, and I could be complaining two different things with Terry Bradshaw. I know at one point they were throwing snowballs at him. I think it was on that play. And, and I remember as a kid, you know, here I am, I, I think a, a morally upright person thinking, that's awesome. Look at them throw those snowballs at Terry Bradshaw while he is unconscious and getting taken off the field. Fantastic. I thought that was really, really great. And and it's, <laughs> it frightens me that I ever felt that way. And of course would never uh, raise that kind of uh, uh now, now, but uh, that's how powerful that feeling was. Yeah, I guess I'll go, I'll go with Mariano. Wow, um, really? That yeah. is not where I thought you were going. Where did you think I was going? Derek Jeter, I thought for sure. Well, the problem is I just straight up hate him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're saying you're I'm, saying it goes beyond. That's coming. why I wanted you to go first because I wanted <laughs> I wanted more of a an understanding of what the term meant. And I think gotcha. I, I mean, look, Derek Jeter wasn't a bad person or anything. No. And he did break my heart over and over again. But there was there are two things that make me choose Mariano over Jeter. For one, Jeter was overrated. In right. certain ways, right? Jeter was overrated defensively. Jeter made A Rod go to third when he showed up because he, <laughs> even though A Rod was a better shortstop, um, people continued the hagiography of Jeter long after it was not oh, anymore yeah. deserved. And granted, whatever, you know, his resume is impeccable. He's obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. He should probably be unanimous, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not like he doesn't deserve what he got. He was, he's one of the, certainly one of the greatest shortstops of all time. Blah, 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 blah. The thing is, Mariano wasn't overrated. <laughs> Mariano <laughs> was, 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 was the, everybody said he's the best closer in baseball and he was the best closer in baseball. He got better in the postseason 
Ugh. Jeter did not. Jeter was the same exact player in the postseason as he was in the regular as, season. As almost everybody is. As almost way. everybody is. But Mariano, as good as he was in the regular season, was, was actually somehow hit. magically better in the postseason. When Mariano entered a game, the game was over. There was no... Um, that's why beating him twice in two days, actually really one day in 2004, was part of the insane catharsis of oh the gosh, of that yeah. whole thing. And so I, I, I... As much as I hated him, I couldn't actually hate him because yeah. there was nothing to hate. He was just excellent at his job. He was a miraculous player who had pinpoint control, who threw one pitch in seventy different ways, and oh. um, and I just like yeah, I, I Jeter. There were things. There were there were flaws in the tapestry of Derek Jeter. There were no flaws in Mariano Rivera's tapestry that I could yeah. find. No, it's it's funny. I I put something on Twitter uh, last week, which actually um, uh, got a ridiculous response. Um, thousands of people responded, which was crazy. But I basically said, who is the guy on the other team of your biggest rival? Who is the guy on the other team, your biggest rival that you secretly wished was on your team? Like, who is that guy? And that I think was definitely got to be Mariano. I yeah. mean, it just it just has to be. And Mariano also was, you know, there's, there's, there's some part of me thinks that I always said, you know, when you look at John Elway as, as like, when you talk about who the greatest quarterbacks are and John Elway's numbers are nowhere near, even guys of his time, nowhere near Marino's or, or whatever. But if, if you were winning a game in the fourth quarter, to me, the single scariest guy was John Elway. He was the guy that you were totally scared because he wasn't going to be like, like even like a Tom Brady or, or, or something like that, where he, you know, Brady's just going to be, or Montana, just zip, zip, zip right down the field. He like, you would sack him and the, it looked like he would be dead. And then, and then you'd have him for a sack and he would spin out of it somehow and, and throw the ball 20 yards downfield. And, and, and it would, the guy wouldn't catch it, but there'd be a pass interference. And like, like there was some sort of weird dark magic that he had right. that to me was scary. And I always thought it was kind of the same way with Mariano because it was the exact same pitch at 90. Well, at the end it was like an 88, but I mean, yeah. 92 mile an hour, exact same pitch over and over and over again. And you couldn't hit it. Nope. And it was, it was so crazy. You couldn't hit it that like switch hitters were hitting righty against him. I mean, it was, yeah, it was like the was, only guy who ever hit him was Edgar Martinez. And so sometimes I remember watching games where like, they, the Yankees would be up three to one and, and it would be the top of the Mariners lineup or something. You'd go, well, if they can just get one guy on <laughs> and then Edgar can come up. And then like, sometimes there would be moments where like somebody walked or maybe he'd hit a guy accidentally. And then the next guy would like leg out an infield single on a dribbler to third. And you'd go like, Oh my God, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They're going to, there's nobody out and there's two on it. And then like next pitch was a foul pop up to the catcher then strike one and then a foul pop up to first and then a strikeout and you just blink and it was over <laughs> and this guys were still standing on first and second. And you're like, all right, that's the thing. And I've said this before, but the thing about him that was so doubly infuriating is like when closers blow up, they blow up in a way where they throw 39 pitches or 46 pitches right. in an inning and they right. give up three runs and they lose the game. And then not only do they lose the game, but they're unavailable the next night. Mariano threw nine pitches per appearance. <laughs> he would get three outs on nine pitches. He would throw nine pitches. Eight of them would be strikes and he would get three outs. And so he was never not available. He never. just sawed you down. He sawed your bat off and made it. You were trying to hit the ball with like a wet noodle. 
and it's and so crazy. it was it was everything put together just so quietly just so like quietly destructive it was i my i remember describing it to someone as like he's a he's the kind of murderer who whispers who puts it one finger in front of his lips and whispers shh as he suffocates <laughs> you with a pillow right he's not like he's not kicking down your door and like spraying the room with machine gun fire He's coming into your house and just putting a pillow over and lying you <laughs> gently down on the couch and going shh, and like you don't make a noise because you know that he's he, you can't live. He's going to suffocate you and you're dead. And that all of that put together is like that. That's how I think of him. It's just like this gentle assassin. Yeah, there's there's that great moment in Goodfellas where where the police uh, finally catch him and they start screaming at him and swearing at him and. And you hear the voiceover of him saying, "That's how I knew it was the cops because if it had been the if it had been the the uh, the mafia, you I'd wouldn't be have dead. seen it coming." Yeah, yeah exactly. I'd <laughs> yeah. be dead. So, all right, some guy I don't know uh, how to pronounce his last name. Sipinwall, Sipanwall, mm. some guy sounds very suspicious to me. Very suspicious says. Mike keeps joking about it, but why shouldn't the Yankees sign Harper and Machado and Corbin? <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, Seepinwall, that is even your real name. <laughs> if that's even your real uh, name. I mean, whatever, then then fine. They probably should. What do they care? I mean, the, the only reason not to is because that's, the hitting is not their problem. Their problem is pitching, right? So if, if they're really going to do that, then I would also say they should trade someone for um, if they, so, right. well, let's, right. let's, let's put this pick. together. If they, if they signed all three of those guys, right. So now they've got, they've got Severino, Paxton and Corbin as their top three, which My is pretty God. good. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, pretty good. And they've still got, and then they've got like, uh, they should sign, they should resign Hap too, probably. Yeah, probably. They've got Sabathi on a one-year deal. Who else do they have? Who are, who are there? Oh, and then Tanaka, who's, who's Tanaka. quite good. So they've got like six or seven good starting pitchers. And then they would have. Sanchez catching, they would have. Let's say they move Bryce Harper to first. Let's just say that 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 Scott Boris wasn't full of it, and that Harper okay. would actually play first. Who knows? Maybe he'd be good, right? He's a tall guy. He can play first base. He's left-handed. So right. you go Sanchez catching, Harper at first. Let's say for now you have Gliber Torres at second. You have um, Didi at short. Until then, I don't know. They just traded Torres to the Cubs, so. It's unclear who plays short, but in general, well, Didi's... I think at that point they would play Machado at short. Okay, so they That's, play Machado they play... at short. They play Andujar at third. They've right. got Didi coming back off the bench, and then you, going around the outfield, you've got Aaron Judge and right. You've got Hicks and center. You've got I'm, I'm in agony here. This Gardner and left, and then you've got Mike uh, Giancarlo Stanton uh, DHing. That's a pretty good team. I mean, think so? You think that's pretty decent? I don't, well, look, I don't think that team realistically wins any more than 130 games. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be expensive. The the thing is, do you want to win 130 games? Do you want to win 130 games per win? It's still not that great. You know, when you're talking about the money you're spending per win, you know what's well, funny here's the is thing. you it, look at that team that and and what the heck is Brett Gardner doing on that team? What in the world? It's one of the weirdest things they did. They signed signed him to a one-year, ten million dollar deal or whatever it is to be their fourth outfielder. I think they just like him. He's just like a veteran leader or whatever. And he'll uh, and he'll break your heart at some point. Um, It is. It's always worth mentioning at this point that George Steinbrenner purchased the New York Yankees from CBS for ten million dollars. He spent ten million (laughs) dollars. So the point is, Seepenwall, they could sign Corbin and they could also sign Machado and they could also sign Harper and they could also sign J.A. Happ 
and they could also sign Craig Kimbrell to pitch the sixth, and they could also <laughs> sign uh, any. They could sign. They could trade for uh, you know they could oh they could trade for Mike Trout and sign him to a, a five year seven hundred million dollar deal. They could right. do all of those things, and they would still be so deeply in the black on this investment. I mean, they could do that. They could have a. They could get to a billion dollar payroll, really, if they wanted to. They could have a billion dollar payroll, and they would still be uh, making money hand over fist. So, the your the the short answer to the question is they should. There's no reason they shouldn't. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. I'm sorry. It's, uh... <laughs> All right, our uh, our old producer Tess comes on here, and she wants to know how does Mike feel about cold fruit as dessert i.e. strawberry shortcake or lemon sorbet. There's no reason for it. I mean, it's better <laughs> than hot fruit, but um, look, if now, you're going to you, you, cold fruit is the best. I don't eat it as dessert. It's not dessert. It's just food. Like I, if you're getting dessert, what you want is a warm chocolate brownie with nuts and a scoop of ice cream. Everybody knows it. it's the only good dessert. Warm chocolate brownie with nuts and a scoop of ice cream. I will accept certain substitutes on occasion, like like a really good piece of like rich chocolate cake or a what about chocolate pie. molten cake what there do you, you go that? like yeah there's other things you can eat but what what you really always should eat is a warm chocolate brownie with nuts and a scoop of ice cream <laughs> um so i don't i don't like i don't advocate any eating of cold fruit for dessert it's fine in a pinch if you've got nothing else Sure, throw some blueberries and strawberries in a bowl and just eat them because that's how fruit is delicious. I don't want fruit made into anything else. That's my point. Well, okay. So this, of course, leads to the the great conundrum of of uh, the Michael Shore existence, which is, of course, you believe the ultimate food to be peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Correct. And we all know in order to make jelly, you have to cook the fruit. That's how that works. So how do you how do you in your own mind justify your incredibly illogical position? How do Christian theologians justify <laughs> there only being one God, but that one God is both a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit? <laughs> sometimes we we have to live in contradictions. Sometimes <laughs> we just have to. It's part of it's part of theology. It's part of existentialism. You have to sure. confront. You have to embrace and confront the absurdity of the contradictions and uh, of the universe in order to make decisions and just move forward with your life. Like you, there are going to be things that are inexplicable. You can either let them grind you to a halt and just collapse and just lie down on the ground and, 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 you know, spend your life like <laughs> staring at the ceiling, or you can put one foot in front of the other and say, look, not everything on earth makes sense. Right. Some things just don't make sense. And I'm just going to embrace the contradiction. All right, Jeremy Barramy. Okay, so um, <laughs> Colby, we have two more. Colby wants to know, should every car have privacy glass like a limousine? And then in parentheses, especially minivans. So so they're asking, should every car have that little division between the driver and, and the oh. backseat? Oh, 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 um, n- no. <laughs> What are you talking about? No, I think he's not. trying to. I think he's trying to get separated from his kids. It's what it sounds like. It sounds like his kids are driving him crazy, and he would love to be able to just like do that little. Okay, I'm rolling up the window now, so I can't even hear you. Type of thing. I think. Yeah, that's that's I think on. that that would lead to only further anarchy on anarchy on the part of the kids, though, right? Like, 
the the only thing keeping you don't kids, want. That's right. You do not want to yeah, let those kids if free. They're, if the kids are like, we're in a moving vehicle and now our parent can't see us. I mean, come on, man. That's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> Damon is our final question. Damon wants to know, we have the fam. Okay. So this is we're and we're going to, of course, have to start thinking about this for next year. We have the fam, which of course, as everybody knows, is 300 batting average, 400 on base percentage, 500 slugging percentage. Uh, we have the scooter, which as everybody knows, mm-hmm. 15 grounded in double plays, 25, double, 25 homers, 35 doubles, 45 walks. Everybody knows that. Every, I mean, this is, I, I, I feel, I feel sad even just. It's day one it stuff. Is, it's like they, the they first know. thing you learn yeah. about baseball is that there's three outs <laughs> per half inning and you learn what the scooter is. What the scooter is. And then the fam when you're a little bit older. Yeah. Um, so he wants to know, how about the scooter fam? I guess that would be one where you get both together. I mean, would that be a first ballot inner circle uh, type of year? I mean, of course it would be. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you scooter fam, like. How many people do you think let's let's take a bet right now without looking it up of how many people have ever scooter fammed and then we'll <laughs> and then we will get the answer next time. I'm going to guess 3 people have ever scooter fammed. You think 3 people have scooter fammed? Wow. Um No, I'm going to say it's been a few more. I mean because I, mean, I I would imagine because we know that Albert Pujols is the all-time scooter leader. Right. He's got to have some fams in there. Well, are we, I I mean, I mean different people, not different seasons. Oh, I different different, different seasons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll say 10 people okay. of Scooter Fam, maybe. Yeah, we'll look it up. We'll look it up for next week. Um, we'll Scooter Fam. All right. So, um, great. Uh, another just, this is the best bonus podcast we've ever done. Our bonus podcast was an hour and 13 minutes. Long. I know. It's ridiculous. We said we were going to do 30 minutes. I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. We we have a problem. We have a serious problem. Here. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. But I have to ask you this question before we go. So, and, and, uh, you know what, I'm going to have people, um, weigh in if you would, if you are a, a podcast member, which we would love for you to be, you can go over to the Patreon and, and weigh in on this. So last year we did this, uh, my favorite, my, my favorite podcast we've ever done where we did, um, uh, a, a multi-person draft of Christmas songs and, uh, and it was great largely because we found out that Brandon McCarthy is an insane person. That was really the Correct. best part of the whole thing. So the question is, what do we do this year? What's our, what's our multi person draft this year? What, what do we think is like the big, the big thing that we can do for the holidays? We can't do songs again. So what, what do you think could be the big thing we can do? Oh man. I don't know. We should get people to weigh in. I, I would saying, be, yeah. I would happily leave this to the people. I mean, holiday traditions, maybe is that too vague? I don't um, nothing is too vague for the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, nothing. I'll throw that out as a possibility, like, you know, Christmas caroling or hanging or trimming a tree, that kind of thing, yeah, you know, yeah, that whole thing we could do. Um, we could do we could do traditions. We could do. Uh, yeah. Then, uh, you know what? We probably should leave it there. Let let our people weigh in on on the question. So the question is, uh, what should we have our draft? I'm hoping we're going to be able to get our group back together, the sure. gang back together. We actually, there's, there's one person I want to add to this year's Great. thing. Oh, and, and I, and I'm going to say one more time, uh, please go to CB dot plus slash great debate. That's cotton bureau, uh, dot P L U S slash great debate. Uh, you can buy the shirts and I will say that we get, um, some, some free shirts to give away, um, be, you know, the more that we sell that we get a few free shirts. I have given one of my free shirts away to Nick Offerman, 
uh, who is uh, mm-hmm. uh, very excited to get. I shirt. gave one and of his- mine to Linda Holmes, who uh, hates my hot fruit opinion more than anyone, <laughs> more than even you. I think I'm going to send. I have not yet sent one to Keith Law, but I, Keith I'm Law needs to be the next one. Yeah, Keith, Keith Law needs to be the next one. So- he like actively trolls me about hot fruit by posting <laughs> gifs of my own TV shows in debates about why hot fruit is great. It's really annoying. <laughs> it's very annoying. So he needs to get one. I need to. I need to find some more people. In fact, if you have any suggestions on that front, please do. But would love for you to get those shirts, uh, Mike. As always, thank you. Thanks for having me.